I need new music. This is the JJO Discover New Music Podcast. The hardest working man in rock and roll. I think that's safe to say. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesse James Dupree. Jesse, how are you, my friend? It's good to talk to you, man. Good, good. It's been a minute. It's been a while. Uh, what's crazy, though, is I feel like I just got to see you because I watched a like six hour marathon of full throttle saloon on Defy the other day. So you and I, I just feel like we just caught up. Those reruns on the Quest Network have been been really a trip because, I mean, I I, I, have, I was not aware that they had picked the reruns up and were playing them and and all of a sudden, it was just everybody's. Hey, been watching the show. Been watching the show. So it's good for <laughs> good for them to do that. I mean, that was a that was a magic moment in time, you know, at the original Full Throttle. And um, you know, now we have the you know the the fire burnt that place down. We have six hundred acres of off the hook. That old place was on thirty two acres. Yeah. And now now we're on six hundred plus acres, and it's we have, we have an Olympic sized swimming pool and all you can eat breakfast buffet, dinner buffet, uh, you know, a convenience store three racetracks, a, a, a runway for airplanes. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Uh, it's just bigger and better, which I think is the uh, Jesse James Dupree model, man. You're always finding ways to uh, entertain and, and just make things to that next level, whether it's your uh, liquor that you got out there or the full throttle or, or music, which is why we're here today. One of your many ventures that obviously most of us know you for. Uh, let's talk about this. Breathing Fire, the new album. Uh you really didn't plan on making this album, did you? This kind of came no, organically. I felt guilty because I'd not listened to an album in a long time from front to back. I mean, when was the last time you listened to a full album from front to back? And I think a lot of people, a lot of people may have gotten away from doing that. And um, and so I felt guilty. So I went back and I listened to High Voltage, ACDC's High Voltage, and I listened to it twice. Then uh, then I went on and I listened to Highway to Hell. And then I listened to uh, Back in Black. And then uh, I went to dinner and I didn't think anything else about it. And the next day I woke up and I had this song in my head. I was going, what album's that off of? And I went back through all those albums, could not find it. Good news was that I got to listen to all those albums again, but um, I couldn't find it. And then, um, and then I picked up my guitar and I realized I was just inspired. And uh, so the next thing you know, I, uh, uh, I'm sitting on the couch you know, working out that idea and a couple more ideas that I was having. And I was recording them on my cell phone mm. just so I didn't lose the riffs, you know. And then Nigel, my son, walks in because he lives up in Nashville and uh, he runs around being good looking and playing drums up in Nashville. And he uh, he, he came in the door and I said, because I live in Atlanta, he goes, and I said, what are you doing home? He goes, well, I came home to get a free meal. And uh, so we, uh, I said, go lace up the drums. We went to the studio and we started recording. I called Roman, Roman came over. And um, the next thing you know, we we had these just just fun jams on this, you know, songs on 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 tape. And but uh, I was still wasn't planning on doing anything with it because it sounded so much like ACDC. I mean, right. it sounded, and uh, you'd say too much like ACDC for me to do anything with it. But with the caveat that I didn't know that Brian Johnson from ACDC, the singer, was going to call me that two about two days later, and I had not spoken with Brian in about six months. Uh, Brian's got a new book that's out about his life before ACDC. And and plus he was getting ready to go do that festival that they played out in California. So I wasn't going to ever bother him. Um, he had called me to go to dinner with him about six months ago and I was out of town. So I missed that. I hated it. And, uh, but two days after we'd laid this stuff down, Brian calls 
Hey, Jesse, how you doing, me son? You know, I'm, I'm drinking some of your liquor. And so uh, you know, we talked about whiskey. He had a buddy over, and they were having dinner, and he opened up a bottle of barrel strength I'd sent him. And one thing went to another, and um, and I said, well, look, I wasn't going to call you, but since you called me, you got to help me write these songs. Right. And, and so um, he said, send them down here. So we started working. And uh, and uh, Sterling, the guy that works with me in the office, he, he walked into uh, the studio when we were recording. He goes, that sounds like vinyl. And I thought, well, man, we got to do a vinyl record then. So yeah, there's a vinyl, there's a vinyl copy of this at jessejamesdupree.com, limited edition of vinyl. It's a it's a slab of rock and roll. It really is. I love it, man. And uh, obviously, uh, you are in that interesting place that most people don't get where Brian Johnson of ACDC calls you and you can pick his massive musical brain and, and all the years that are there and inspired that. Now you've known him for a long time, so I'm sure it, maybe this doesn't make sense. Do you still get like pinch me moments when you're working with Brian or he comes in or anything like that? Because he obviously inspired you all the years, uh, years ago. I, I, so it's got to still be moments where it seems a little surreal. Well, you know it. You know it's it's already it's the same as me getting to do this interview with you. I'm just going, God Almighty, I can't believe I'm picturing myself. I get to get to do this interview. So, <laughs> rock, man. You gotta, no, it's, and that is true. I'm glad to be talking to you. No, seriously, it is, and you're right because I mean, this is the biggest band in the world with ACDC, and, and the fact that he, you know, he'll come and stay at the house, and you know, there's no bodyguards. I mean, rock. He's everything you would want the lead singer of ACDC. Just a just a real guy and such an inspiration in that way, you know? And you do forget, he's so disarming. Sometimes there's things that happen that remind you. I'll give you an example. He and Cliff, uh, the Cliff, Cliff Williams, Williams uh, the bass player for ACDC, they came and stayed at the house for a couple of days. And Cliff took the guest bedroom, and Nigel was in his room, and and I uh, sent my youngest daughter to, to stay with my mother. And so Cliff took the guest bedroom, and and Brian was just going to stay in my, 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 my young daughter's room. And I didn't think anything about it because he's just such a nice guy. I mean, he don't. I mean, he's he, he's unpretentious. He don't he don't give a damn. And uh, when I went down the hallway just to check on him before he crashed, just to make sure he did, if he needed anything before he went to bed, you know, because we'd been out drinking and eating, had a great meal, and we'd had a few drinks and stuff. And I went. I said, Brian, you okay? You need anything before you crash? He's nah, I'm fine. He's sitting because I got me a bottle of water. I'll see you in the morning. Whatever. And I sit there and look into the room, and here's the lead singer of ACDC crawling into my daughter's bed. It's a pink bed with Winnie the Pooh mural over the headboard. Of course, of course. So, so, you, so here's the guy, that, and I thought to myself, here's the guy that I camped out for two nights yeah. to get front row tickets to see Back in Black, and he's sleeping in this pink bed with a Winnie the Pooh mural over the top of it. And just, he could just not even give a damn. He was, you know, but, uh, but that's the kind of guy he is. He's just, uh, he's a great guy. And, uh, and I, I've got so many Brian Johnson stories. I mean, because he's such an inspiration and, and, and I'm so proud. Nobody in ACDC ever works outside their band. So, to be that guy that, that that gets to work with Brian and do stuff like this, it's a big deal. I'll never forget, quick side story to share, my <laughs> juxtapose Brian Johnson story. You and I and Randy Hawk and Ski on oh, a whole a whole group of us. I think Vanna was there. We were having dinner in Vegas one night and you busted out your phone and you played this hilarious message from Brian. 
and for me, because ACDC is my favorite band of all time. I am it's I'm a diehard. And so here I am sitting next to you, Jesse James Dupree, who's playing a Brian Johnson message. I was like, there's no way. There's no way this is happening I, in Las Vegas. But again, just just to kind of jump off of that, you know, and your relationship and now seeing him help you with this latest album. And of course, the current track that we have out right now, uh, which is which is awesome. Uh, never gets old, which we're all hearing. And we'll hear more from uh, Brian and you and, and the new album release. You also paid homage. I love this. You talked about waiting out, camping out for two days for Back in Black, you know, uh, front row tickets and everything when they did that tour to support that album. Uh, and you you kind of paid homage to those diehards uh, that do that, the camp out and wait for those front row tickets with this music video. Tell us about how that came to be and, and, and what you lined up for for the diehards out there, the, the true. You know, it, that, that's such a, such a magic era of music that's lost now. And it goes, with, you know, along with the people that, that don't listen to albums from front to back, you know, which I was guilty of that myself. And, but there was a time, you know, just like it's hard to explain to some people, there was a time before these things, <laughs> these, these cell phones, you know. And uh, there was a time before that. And uh, we used to go down to the mall and the ticket Tron place was in the mall. And uh, we would camp outside the Rich's department store. And there was a kind of a code, a rule of conduct that, Whoever got there first got to start the list. Mm. And and so you would have a spiral notebook and you would write ZZ Top, you know, or you'd write ACDC or you'd write Kiss or you'd write, uh, you know, Ted Nugent or whatever. You know, you'd write whoever it was that was coming. And then you would, you know, number one, you know, you put your name number one and then whoever's, you know, you put the names on the list and then you'd have little rules. There'd be a roll call every two hours. Mm-hmm. And and somebody can only speak up for you twice throughout the whole 24 hour period. You know, so if you if you run to go get pizza, somebody could say, yeah, he's here. He's going to get pizza. But that can only happen twice in the roll call that happened every two hours or something. And um, and you camped out and you had to be orderly during the day. You would you would camp out along down the sidewalk and everybody just kind of be composed and, and in the line down the sidewalk around the mall because the security would make us. But when the mall would close underneath that parking garage where the riches where we were camped out would just turn into a party and we would party all night long. And then you'd kind of crawl back to your respective spot, you know, before the store would open and then you'd sit there the whole day again. And then another party would happen that next night. And then the next morning you would all line up at the door and the security guy would come to the door. And they would let us in 10 at a time, the first 10. And we'd walk through the women's lingerie and the men's shoes and the whatever. And you'd go back to this little cubby hole. And that's where the little Dolph computer was that was selling the tickets. And uh, and that's how you got your front row tickets for concerts. And um, and it's just such a magic time and such a commitment. And, and, and the bands really meant something to you because, you know, I mean, for that level of commitment. And I, I saw a, a, an article yesterday where – there's some people over in Argentina or something that have camped out for five months to get Taylor Swift front row. Wow. And, but over there, they're still camping out, you know, in the, in the same, but, but I thought, you know, that that's five months is a bit excessive, but still it is, it, it's an experience of camping out and make that dedication that you'll never forget. Well, I think it's so cool. And, and it's exciting to see uh, you continue on that being that champion for rock and roll and, 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 and even, you know, looking back at, at the good old days, we're still, we're still having fun and still putting out new records. Obviously you are, which again, breathing fire going to be very exciting. Uh, get out there, get it on vinyl, limited edition or wherever you're going to get to it and listen to it front to back, mind you front to back. That's what we want to do. Listen, rate, share, subscribe, Discover new music now at WJJO.com.
in the JJO app or wherever you get your podcasts. Rock has a new interview every Thursday evening between 6 and 7. 941 JJO. I need new music. This is the JJO Discover New Music Podcast. Uh, do you got a favorite track on the album? Maybe one that really. That's what I was going to say. My publicist said, uh, what, are, what are the feature tracks? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that would be tracks one through 10. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, here's the thing on this one. And I can't say this about all my albums. Mm-hmm. The first Jackal album, I can definitely see because you can listen to that first Jackal album from front to back and it takes you somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. and there's there's just there's certain albums that do that. This I'm hoping people find it to be one of those albums. You can from song to song to song. It just keeps you in that that rock and roll spirit. Celebrate the fundamentals of rock and roll. And I hope and pray that everybody finds that in the in the record because asking me to name my favorite song off the record is like saying, okay, who's your favorite child? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but let's let's also be honest, y'all. Everybody does have their favorite child, right? <laughs> uh, but you, you know, the, I, if I had to say, you know, I, there, I can talk about each song as to why they they stand out. They're special. There is a song called the title track is is, is a song bitch called Breathing Fire, and and it's just perfect for exemplifying the attitude of the whole record. And then there's a song called uh, Stranded, and mm-hmm. Stranded is a uh, it's a heavy song. It was uh, the way it all came about, and uh, it's it's probably the one song that it's in the middle of the album, so it kind of just has a flow. To it and it, it adds to the, the album's character, but it's a it's a heavy song, and uh, I'd rather not share what it's about. I'd rather people just find it and let it mean what it means to them. You know, that's why I don't like politics and music either, because that, not that that's not a political song, but uh, in the same virtue of like when will it rain? That I know what that meant to me when I wrote it, but I've had veterans come back from Iraq and Iran or whatever, you know, uh, uh, the, you know Afghanistan, uh, fight, you know, and tell me what that song meant to them or I've had different people tell me what that means to them. And I'd never want to spoil them by saying, no, it actually means this or means that. And uh, the same thing with Stranded, but, you know, and it's just the same thing with, you know, this is not a political route. You know, that's why I don't like artists that get political because, you know, people want to listen to, to an artist to escape and get away. They don't want to listen to it to think about, are they a Democrat or a Republican? Right, right. And we get enough of that crap on the news, so it's nice to yeah. just be able to put on a record and enjoy it. Well, again, we cannot wait. Brand new from Jesse James Dupree, Breathing Fire, uh, and a little bit of Brian Johnson sprinkled in there as well, which is always good. Well, it's now got that- Brian Spanger, we got Brian's fingerprints all over I love it, man. Well, that's not a bad thing at all for anybody involved. Well, uh, now that we got the important stuff out of the way, uh, I have a couple things I want to do. I don't know. I may be putting you in a spot with this one, but when I was researching this and talking with you and, and listening to you talk about, you know, having Brian on this and and this whole journey kind of started by diving into some old ACDC albums. Could you pick one album if you could only have one ACDC album again? Me being, that's my number one. That's what got me into rock and roll. And that's one of the hardest questions because with the Bon Scott era, the Brian Johnson era, and all of the uh, the collection they have, could you pick one ACDC album? Yeah, I mean, it'd be Back in Black. I mean, that, that was, uh, it changed the world. Uh, I'll tell you, one night, Brian Johnson and I, they, I was getting this award right here. This was from a radio station that, that gave gave me a, an award for being the most played band on that station that year. And so they flew me into this festival. I was out on tour, but I flew into this festival and I called Brian. I said, hey, I'm going to be at this festival. And he goes, just come to the house and we'll go up together. So I flew to his house and he lived about 90 miles south of there. We went out to go to the festival and he was driving and he opened up the garage and there was a brand new Aston Martin. 
and it was the most bad i mean badass car <laughs> and um i opened the door and the leather smell knocked me down and we made that 90 mile run in about 45 minutes i mean he had that so much getting it and we went to the festival and we were there a good bit of the day and they presented me with this plaque and then it was getting a little bit late and he leans over to me and he goes well if you don't mind me some maybe we head on back to the house and get us some dinner and some drinks and you know i said okay let's go so we duck walked out of there and, and went back to you know and he was parked backstage he parked kind of out away from everybody in that aston martin so nobody'd be around it you know and, and we go out and we get in that aston martin and out of the dark comes these two guys come running across the field and they come running up to his window and he rolls the window down and they got their back in black album awesome. and they said will you please sign this please god sign this and and somehow another they went and got that album and made it back to the backstage and so i assure me son and he's such a gentleman you know he goes yeah and jesse will sign it too and i'm sitting there going i'm not worthy you know and uh, <laughs> but he, but he's such he's such a, a a nice guy and so he signs the record and hands it back to him and they took off into the dark like beavis and butthead you know just yeah, yeah, you know, and we're sitting there, and the car's running, and you can hear the music off in the background, and he's just staring ahead, and it was kind of quiet, other than the music off in the field, and I didn't know something was wrong, and uh, I said, "You all right? You know, is there, are you okay?" And he went, "Yeah," and he, he just staring at. Me. He goes, "Just always wondered about that autograph thing." He said, "Where somebody wants your signature?" You know, he said, "He goes, just, I never understood that." And I said, yeah. I said, well, maybe for me. I said, but people know where they were when Elvis died, or they know when they were when the man, first man landed on the moon, or they know where they were when something historical happened like that. And everybody knows where they were the first time they heard back in black. Yeah. I yep. said, and I said, I said, so I said, so I can understand it, you know. And then he just looked at me, ah. <laughs> and then we drove off. And we drove off. He, he didn't want uh, he didn't want to think about it, but. Uh, yeah, he's a great guy. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks for sharing that story. And I think Back in Black is a good choice for anyone. Uh, all right. Well, before I let you go, uh, we're going to do rapid fire. Also, I have one request uh, at the very end of everything. So let's do a quick one here. And then my final request with Jesse James Dupree. No wrong okay. answers. Rock and roll hoochie coo or rock and roll all night? Uh, rock and roll all night. Mashed potatoes or baked potatoes? Baked potatoes. I've been getting more into baked potatoes. I think I'm like baked potato dry, no sour cream, no cheese, no nothing. Just, oh, you just dry. Oh. Yeah, just dry. Like a cowboy out on the range. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Disco or techno? Disco. Soaked jeans or damp socks? Uh, soaked jeans. Okay. All right. Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster? Who'd you rather see? Uh, Bigfoot. Lastly, one punch from Mike Tyson or a hundred punches from the Where's the Beef Lady? Oh, God. I'd take a. Uh, I take those down that beef. Where's the beef lady all day long? Yeah, you wouldn't survive Mike Tyson. He'd knock you out. As, I mean, even like at 75, 50%, I'd feel like I would just crumble into a pile of dust with him. I'd say I'd, I would hate to have to whip his ass. Oh, you'd be there. Right. You'd, you'd be there a minute. Right, exactly. Oh, uh, perfect. Awesome. Now we got all that out of the way. The last thing I got to share this with you. My daughter, who turned two this last June, she loves the hell that you do. At the end of Lumberjack, we were listening to it. And as soon as she heard the chickens and the how. So what's the best way I can emulate that for her to crack? What's what's the key to the Jesse James Dupree? How? You know what I'm talking about that, that that you do. That's so, so key. Yeah, you got you, you have to you you had to have watched some, some of those old black and white westerns. Yeah, yeah. Like I did when I grew up, because in all those old western movies, and, and again, they used to the TBS network, the Turner network, they used to play 
on Sundays, they do all those uh, vintage, you know, black and white cowboy movies. I don't know if you remember that or not. It was years ago, but they used to have a marathon where they just play all those. But I used to love those old movies and, uh, you know, the Roy Rogers or the, you know, the, right, the right. whatever, you know, and uh, just, but uh, there's always somebody in there that was going back there and, sh- and, and, and you know, chewing the chickens or, or, you know, or get the pigs out of the way or, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, there it is. Yeah. yeah it's, it, but that, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, get on, you know, down the road. Yeah. We were listening to it, and then she's in the back, and all I can hear is just doing this in her little two-year-old voice. Yeah, yeah, and it just—I yeah. died. So, all right. Well, and, those, and, and, by, and by the way, those were real chickens in the studio with us. Oh, real chickens in there! Yeah, I did were, not know that. Yeah, we, we recorded the album in the studio. The, the Captain and Tennille on. Do you remember the Captain and Tennille? They had a TV show. But they had that song "Love Will Keep Us Together." Love, yeah. love will keep us together. keep us together. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, and, yeah. But, but they own they own the studio that we recorded our first album in, and Guns N' Roses recorded "Appetite for Destruction" there. The uh, the damn Yankees recorded there. The, the Motley Crew, uh, uh, the Trap, and uh, and we went and uh, it was it's still a sterile studio in L.A. for us. So we went and got forty chickens and roosters from up in north of California and over over in the valley, and we brought them back and we just let them loose in the studio, and they used to roost. And Ted Nugent was shooting his bow and arrow. The damn Yankees were doing overdubs and mixes. And he was shooting his bow and arrow out back in this little uh, lounge area. And so we stole a couple of bells of his hay. And so we had that strung out in the studio and the chickens would roost at night. They would roost over in a drum booth. Right. So, when we, so when we got through cutting the lumberjack, that because we, we did the song live every night, we just took the best track, the best version of it and put it on the record. Yeah. And uh, But I went running in the drum booth and was shooing the chickens and the producer was following me with the microphone. And that's those chickens were for real. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, that's the most jackal story I think I've ever heard in my out, out of all the ones that I know. All right. So I got to watch the old timey westerns, and I will. Uh, I will perfect that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll there worry. You, you got it. <laughs> Jesse, thank you so much for humoring me. More importantly, thank you so much for talking new music uh, and get it breathing fire from Jesse James Supreme. We appreciate it. We love you, buddy. Crank it up. Have a good day, man. Thank you, bro. Listen, rate, share, subscribe. Discover new music now at WJJO.com in the JJO app or wherever you get your podcasts. Rock has a new interview every Thursday evening between 6 and 7. 941 JJO. Oh, yeah.